this is Matt. I'm the lead pastor at Westminster Baptist Church. Thanks for engaging God's word with us. My prayer for you is that this would be supplemental to your discipleship journey. Uh, if we can connect you with a local church or a discipleship group, uh, please contact us at info at discoverwbc.com. Amen. Thank you, worship team. Wow, that last song. It was so good. For those of you that are watching online, I wish you could have heard how loud it was in here. That was great. Great singing and worshiping. This morning, I'm going to bring you part two of our parenting series. And if you didn't get a chance to hear Pastor Bill's message last week, I would encourage you to check it out online and on our website as well. Uh, I want to give a quick review of some of those main points that was brought up last week. Um, First of all, that... uh, we want to lay a foundation for us to make disciples of our children while they are in the home during the younger years. And today, in this message, I want to address basically two topics, and that is uh, for those of you that are parents and grandparents, it's about making disciples with your adult children. Pastor Bill kind of took us up to high school and college, and then he passed the baton to me for this message. Uh, And then secondly, this is for all of us of all ages. How do we honor and respect our parents? So that's where we're headed today. Um, From last uh, Sunday, the main theme was to prepare our children uh, from the time they are born to the time that God takes us home to become the people that God wants them to be. And we mentioned Proverbs 22.6, which speaks about um, starting up a child when they're young, training them up in the things of the Lord. And even when he grows old, he may not depart from it. He may drift a little bit. We're going to talk about that. It's not a guarantee. It's not an absolute promise. But it is hope for us when that happens. It was also stated last week that if the greatest commands are love God and love others then shouldn't that be our focus when it comes to raising our children, to teach them these commands and how to live these out? And uh, Deuteronomy 6 is where I want us to start today, and we're just going to look at verse 9. This was touched on last Sunday as well, but I want to focus on just verse 9 if you want to turn there. And uh, would you agree with me that to be successful in parenting, we need the Lord in our lives? And that we must be intentional when it comes to our parenting and grandparenting because it is a heart issue that we're dealing with here. I also want to uh, say this before we really get into the meat of this message today. You may not be married. You may not be a parent yet. Or perhaps God has not blessed you with a child. But I believe I still have something in this message for you. And I believe by the end of our time together, uh, we will be challenged in one way or another. So if the first part of this doesn't apply to you all right now, just let it sit there for now. The second part definitely will. So let's look at uh, Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 9. Only be on guard and diligently watch yourselves so that you don't forget the things your eyes have seen and so that they don't slip from your mind as long as you live. Teach them to your children and your grandchildren. Let's ask the Lord to bless this time in the Word. Father, I thank you for your Word. Your Word is truth to us. And Holy Spirit, I pray you have your way in this place today. Teach us, inspire us, encourage us. 
Help us to walk away with what each family needs to hear today through your spirit. We yield to that, and we give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me begin by uh, repeating what was said last Sunday, because I think it's so important that we understand. If we do not disciple our kids, the world will. They will follow someone. They will serve somebody or something. Jesus taught that you cannot have two masters. And so your kids' discipleship begins with you being very intentional and very active in their younger years. Parents, your worldview shapes your parenting. And through that filter, your kids grow up and form their own worldview. And if you intentionally teach your kids to love God, then I really believe they will learn the how-tos and the commandments of Christ to live by, and they'll make those decisions as they mature in the faith on how they're going to apply it. Deuteronomy 4.9 encourages us not to forget what we have seen and what God has done in our lives, and then to teach them to our children and grandchildren. Those of us who are empty nesters and grandparents, our job is not over as long as we're still breathing. Your strategies, and do I dare say your control level, has changed <laughs> since your kids no longer live at home. But the goal was not changed, which is to make disciples and live a life that demonstrates love for God and love for others. And as your children mature and become adults, one of the best things we can do is to maintain a culture of open communication and conversation in our home. So let me throw out a question for you to think about this morning, and that is this. Do you, do you tend to bend and compromise as a parent to the ways of our culture? In other words, as things are shifting and changing, values look different than what they did a couple years back, are you bending and, and compromising with that? Or are you way on the other side of the spectrum where you stand at attention in some straight line of legalism? Either way, you're conforming to the culture somehow, some way. And here's one of the many problems with legalism that I could speak into, but this formula I saw a long time ago, you may have read it, may have heard of it, but I think it's so appropriate for this message, and it goes like this, rules without relationship equals rebellion. Rules without relationship equals rebellion. And I want to flip that to the positive side, and it goes like this. Rules with relationship equals rewards. Because parents would agree that rules do matter. We all have some. But if the child grows up only trying to obey or check off the list of rules, by the time they're adults, they don't even want to have a relationship with us because they're so exhausted from following the rules and they realize they can't keep up the pace. And if we're going to conform to anything, let's be more like Christ as mentioned in Romans 12, 1 and 2, allowing us to have our minds renewed and transformed by the Holy Spirit, which will then change our habits, our disciplines, and our desires putting all the pressure on ourselves as parents to execute Deuteronomy passage that we read in Proverbs 22.6, to do those things perfectly and then blaming ourselves for failure. It's both unbiblical and impossible, and here's why. Parents, 
You cannot produce what the Holy Spirit produces. If you're a believer in Christ and you're parenting, you are not alone. God knows what your needs in the family are. And if God is to get the glory for it all, why are you taking the blame for it? Salvation is up to the Holy Spirit. Your job and your role is to be intentional about getting the truth to your child so that as they grow and as they mature, the Holy Spirit will guide them into their spiritual maturity. Our kids are given to us to steward and to love and to train and then send them out. Sometimes we don't do too well with the sending out part. We cannot control them forever. We cannot force them to be what we want them to be. Our job as parents is to do the best we can to point them to Christ, to love God and love others, and release them into God's hands, leaving the results to God. Now, of course, we should be careful. We should be wise in our kids' exposure to our culture, you know, things that are age-appropriate, what is godly, what is biblical. But we can also smother them so much with protection that they never have the chance to face their fears and deal with conflicts, and they never learn how to apply what they have learned. And then when we send them out unequipped into the world, as soon as a heartache or a conflict or a tragedy comes their way, or they have some blowout argument, they run and they hide because they can't deal with it. The reality is this. By the time you get some silver hair and gray beards like myself, you realize the world is never going to be safe enough for our kids. It's not. It's never going to be safe. We say this here at WBC, so let's run into the darkness and light it up. Let's live our life through the lens of the gospel. Walk with the broken. Help the poor. Love the unlovable. And include your children in this lifestyle, and they will learn from your example. See, God created our families to be discipleship centers. And he gave us our children to impress in their hearts for a, a love for God and a love for others. You know, parents in the Old Testament, they understood what is called the power of blessing. If you want to uh, turn into to, uh, Genesis 48, we're going to look at two verses. Genesis 48, verses 15 and 16. We see here a beautiful picture of a grandfather, Jacob, blessing his sons and his grandsons. Look at verse 15. Then he blessed Joseph and said, The God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all harm, may he bless these boys. And may they be called by my name and the names of my fathers Abraham and Isaac, and may they grow to be numerous within the land. As parents and grandparents, if we pray over and give blessings over our children and grandchildren, on a regular basis, you will begin to build a spiritual legacy when you pray that way. A longtime author and pastor Chuck Swindoll summarized building a legacy so well when he said these words in one of his books, each day of our lives, we make deposits in the memory banks of our children. I wonder what's in our children's memory banks. 
What have they stored in there? What have they watched? What have they heard? What have they learned from us? You know, what matters most is not the material legacy that we leave behind, but the legacy of love and faith that you hand down to the next generation. When our kids are younger, most of us are so busy with demands of the day-by-day parenting that it's sometimes hard to to focus on a legacy because we're just trying to get through today. But as your role and, if you will, your job description changes, you can begin to focus on what is more important, which is leaving a legacy of love because you have a little more time to reflect and look back and make some corrections even now. And with adult children, trust that experience is many times the much better teacher. And that's hard for us parents. If you give them advice without them asking for it for the, for the adult children, they will probably resent it and sometimes run from you. So choose wisely and pray hard when to give that advice because it's a matter of timing. Because if they don't want it, they don't like it, and maybe they actually resent it, we could make things worse by adding it. Now, from a parent's standpoint, that doesn't mean they shouldn't hear it, right? If we, if we see something they need in their lives, it's still important. We don't give up on that. But if they don't want to accept it, then it's maybe not the right time. So you need to give that to God. You need to pray that they can endure the experience that they're going through right now and learn from it. James 1.19 speaks into this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. This is a biblical principle that is especially important for us that are fix-it people. Any fix-it people in here? Yeah? A couple? Yeah. When we see our kids have a problem or a tragedy or conflict they're going through, we want to fix it. But unless they ask for help, we have to resist that impulse to fix it with adult children. Keep your eyes on the bigger goal, not on every little problem that you see needs to be fixed. Winston Churchill has a statement I think speaks into this. He says, you will never reach your destination if you stop and throw stones at every dog that barks. (laughs) You get that? It's going to be a long walk if you stop every time and try to fix every little thing. And though it's hard to wait and be asked for advice, the wait is well worth it if you earn the right to be heard. And you may feel like all the years of changing diapers and sitting through the ball games has already given you that right because you're their parent. But if you wait for them to come to you in this transition of roles in parenting, you will earn their trust more. And you'll be given the right to be heard by your adult kids. And all of a sudden, you appear much wiser and smarter. Here's a question to think about. Are you enabling your children, or are you helping your children? Enabling shields your child from experiencing the full impact of consequences from their behavior. For example, um, if, if the adult child is always asking you to help bail them out with their bills, and you do this quite often, you are enabling them rather than helping them overcome their financial problem. 
And if you try to ease their pain or protect them from hardships, you're only making them more dependent on you and makes them feel even more entitled. Give them some space to clean up their own messes. Let this next statement soak in. When the pain of remaining the same is greater than the pain of changing, they will change. But you got to give them the space to experience that. The overprotective parent has been nicknamed by many authors as the helicopter parent because they continue to hover over their child. For example, the college-aged child gets a phone call from mom to remind them, hey, honey, it's time to get up on time tomorrow because it's exam day. Come on. It's time to land the helicopter, <laughs> right? You're not establishing healthy boundaries anymore. Let them miss the exam. They won't do it again. <laughs> and you may say, well, you know, my son's going to starve at college because he never learned how to cook at home. He will learn how to cook when he gets hungry. I survived on peanut butter, tomato soup, and pizza my first year in college before I realized there were some other options, right? You'll figure it out. And, you know, I think every parent at some point questions their parenting abilities. I know I have. I'm sure you have. We ask things like, uh, would this have happened if I would have prayed more? Or would they have turned out better if we hadn't argued so much? Or would we still be respected if my marriage hadn't failed? You see, the what-ifs can paralyze our souls and wreak havoc on our confidence as parents. To be honest with you, sometimes your adult children's decisions are going to break your heart. But it doesn't mean it's over. You must have enough faith to keep the hope alive. Don't ever, parents, don't ever give up on your kids. Keep, as one author puts it, keep your mouth shut and the welcome mat out. <laughs> I know that's a bit harsh, but I think you get the point. Can we be like the Luke 15 father in the prodigal son story that maybe they've drifted, maybe they've hurt you, maybe they've walked away and squandered whatever you've helped them with, but when they return, can you not just wait on the front porch, but can you actually run towards them and embrace them and kiss them and hug them and say, welcome home and throw a party? You see, it may be too late for prevention. You may not be able to go back and fix what's already happened. And the older you get, the more you think about those things. So it may be too late for prevention, but it's never too late for redemption because miracles still happen. Your child's failures, your child's poor choices could be the very thing that God is using to build a strong foundation in their life, which is maybe a whole new life, and then they can pass that on to their kids, the next generation. So don't lose hope. Because God is doing something right now. He's writing a new story in your children's life. It may not look right now. It may look incomplete because it is. Mine's still incomplete. How about yours? This side of heaven. You may say, but you don't know how bad things are at my home. Okay, fair statement. I may not know all those details. But here's the thing, when there are deep-rooted issues, 
that are so complex and so involved, the boundaries do have to change sometimes. That's where tough love comes in. That's where reaching for resources outside of your house comes in. It could be things like dealing with addictions and trouble with the law, clinical depression, bipolar disorders, abuse, suicidal thoughts, eating disorders, you name it. You fill in the blank for what's happening. Seek professional help. Seek counseling. Get the help you need and pray hard. Give your children's care over to God. This is a daily act of the will. And if we pray daily to release our children to God, it helps us remember who really is in charge because it's not you and it's not me. Perhaps you see uh, your teen or adult child becoming less and less interested in church and faith in general. Just remember, it's usually not some one-time event where they wake up one morning and say, you know what, I'm not going to believe anymore. No, it's more of a slow drift or a fade away from their faith. And sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes it's because they haven't needed to exercise their faith that they have because you've hovered over them and protected them so much and they never had to ask for anything from God. Their relationship with God is like other relationships in the sense that if you don't pay attention to it, the relationship fades. Any of us have high school and college buddies? Man, when we graduated, it's like, we're going to be forever together, man. You go off to different colleges, you never see each other again until the 30th reunion or whatever, right? Relationships fade if you don't pay attention to them. I think that's why Paul, one of the reasons Paul wrote in 1 Timothy 4, 7, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. If your child walks away, remember the encouragement from Proverbs 22, 6. That'll help. But also remember that preaching and lecturing to them during that kind of a season is not really going to soften their heart. It's going to harden it. Consistent love, consistent prayer, not enabling, will be the most effective way to draw them back to their faith. Instead of feeling defeated by this, I would encourage you to place your energy into prayer and trusting God for their future because church life is complicated. And yes, bad things do happen to good parents. And if maybe you've grown weary as a parent, maybe you've grown weary as a grandparent, you see so many changes, you see values maybe that aren't being lived out, I want us to turn to Hebrews 12. I hope this encourages you and speaks to your heart. Hebrews 12, verses 3 through 12. Beginning with verse 3, Hebrews 12. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, so that you won't grow weary and give up in struggling against sin. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood, and you have forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons. My son, do not take the Lord's discipline lightly or lose heart when you are reproved by him, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves and punishes every son he receives. Endure suffering as discipline. God is dealing with you as sons. For what son is there that a father does not discipline? But if you were without discipline, which all receive, then you were illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had human fathers discipline us, and we respected them. 
shouldn't we submit even more to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time based on what seemed good to them, but he does it for our benefit so that we can share his holiness. No discipline seems enjoyable at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your tired hands and weakened knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated but healed instead. No discipline, it says, seems pleasant at the time. It's painful. But it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. This is where tough love comes in. This is where discipline comes in. And this is where relationships reap rewards. As you bring up your children, start this early and continue to teach this to your adult children. Teach about the dignity of life from the cradle to the grave. Every generation looks to the younger generation for help. It might be helping some financially. It might be opening up your home to your parents. It may be that you become the primary caregiver. I lived that out for seven years with both of my parents before their passing. And the final stages of life should be treated with dignity and respect. And there's many gospel opportunities in this season because the family is gathering around. Keep in mind during that season that God is the giver and the sustainer of life. I want to throw out a couple points here for this before we move into the second part. And that's for those of you that are step families of older adult children, just a couple tidbits to help you. Don't make the child choose between you and the new family. Be present in their lives as much as you can. Accept your stepchildren and grandchildren as one of your own. Love them unconditionally. And realize, and you probably already realize this, that they may not call you mom or dad or grandparent. That's okay. Don't get hung up on that. And for the grandparents sitting here this morning, let me encourage you. You are the link to the past. You are the anchor to the present and you are the bridge to the future. You're the link to the past. You have the stories and the experiences. You are the anchor. Sometimes you have to be the rock to point them to the real rock of Jesus Christ. And you are the bridge to the future where you can speak so much wisdom into their lives. Your role in the family is crucial, grandparents, and your role in this church to make disciples to the next generation is critical and vital, and we need you. And to leave a legacy, your marriage leaves this lasting impact on future generations so they'll talk about you and your marriage much longer after you're gone. Your marriage should be a picture of the gospel to the world and to your children and grandchildren. And that leads us to the second part of this. How do we honor our parents? How do we honor and respect our parents? Exodus 20, verse 12 says, Honor your father and your mother so that you may have a long life in the land that the Lord your God has given you. And it's almost as if Jesus is like, man, if you didn't get it in the Old Testament law, here it is while I walk the earth. In Matthew 19, 19, he says, Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. You see, God took this, this thing of honor and respect very seriously. 
In Old Testament law, in Leviticus 20, verse 9, if anyone cursed their parents, they were stoned to death. Kids that are in here right now, can you imagine? You think you got it tough now at home? If, if you mouth off and curse your mom and dad, you were stoned to death. Praise God you're living today, right? <laughs> See, to honor someone means to view that, view that person as a priceless treasure and treating them with loving respect. So how do we honor and respect our children? How can we honor and respect our parents? And I've got to throw this out, too, because I know my audience. What if you're saying, I can't honor my parents because of the way they treated me or raised me or of their neglect to me? I want to help you with that challenge, too, because that's reality. And, and one of the, the first things I need to say to that with love is that it's a command. It's one of the Ten Commandments. It's not a suggestion. It doesn't say honor and respect my parents unless they did this or whatever. That makes it more difficult, I realize. But how can we honor someone who's rebellious toward us? How can we honor someone we feel hatred towards? Let's start about honor. It's a feeling that we decide to express, to place high value, worth, treasure the person we're talking about, and view that person as a priceless gift and grant them a place of honor in your life somehow, some way. See, we have to choose to honor our loved ones, regardless of whether they deserve it or not. And may I propose to you that the only way we can do that to propel that kind of action is through love, and only the love that Christ can give us. You see, genuine love is a, is a gift that we give to others. Love to your children and to your spouse is a decision that we make daily toward them. Christ's love will flow once we make the decision to honor this person. And how, how do we dishonor each other? It might just start with a critical word. It could be an angry glance. But if those things are left unchecked, they'll turn into very destructive patterns. It could be something as simple as when a child leaves his dad's tools out in the rain after he was told to return them to the garage. You're like, well, that's a silly little thing. But you know what? I know people who never got to use their dad's tools. Again. You're like, well, that's crazy. But it was, it was dishonor. It was wrong how that was handled, but it was dishonor. How about when a teen selectively forgets what they are asked to do? That's dishonor. Let's flip it around to an older generation. When an elderly parent's health becomes critical, we hope a sibling will step up to deal with it because it's inconvenient for us. That's dishonor. The lower the value we attach to a person, the easier it seems that we can justify our actions towards them. Paul told us to give preference to one another in honor in Romans 10, 12. That includes our children. When you treasure a child when they're young, it helps you get through the long sleepless nights of teething, fighting a fever and sickness. When you treasure your teen or adult child, it helps you get through the seasons of them making poor decisions or not living up to your expectations or values. 
But when you treasure your job or your sports team or your hobby more than your children, they pick up on that because actions speak louder than words. We know some fathers and mothers that may not have earned the right to be honored, but we also know the highest form of love gives honor to, to those who don't deserve it. After all, Christ loved us even while we were still dead in our sin, right? So how can we as parents begin to show honor in our home? When they're young, tell them how valuable they are to you. Express your love and be very careful that it's not linked to performance or task at all times because what happens is your children who have to perform to receive approval or blessings from you, they, they end up retaining this nagging uncertainty that keeps them in performance mode. So it always has to be bigger, better, better, greater, more expensive, and they're not going to be able to keep up with that. Make an unconditional commitment to them for life. And what I mean by this is tell them you are important to me. Tell them no matter what happens, I will always love you. Tell them when they blow the curfew that you ask them to, to follow, I still love you. I'm disappointed, but I still love you. Commitment requires sacrifice with no regrets and no strings attached. Create special times with your family. And as your family grows, the calendar gets a little crazier. We have three adult children that are all married. We have six grandchildren, maybe more on the way, as I said. But the calendar gets a little interesting. Make memories. Look for teachable moments. Leave communication lines open always. Keep the welcome mat out. I asked some of our staff and a couple of our students from church, how do you honor your parents? For those who were still living at home, we got some answers as simple as, I empty the dishwasher when I'm asked. And then this person says, even without being asked to sometimes, oh, parents, is that a beautiful thing to you? <laughs> Amen. Obey the house rules. Be responsible for what you can control. Give your parents some grace, children because they have their own struggles and their own battles as they're helping you overcome yours. So give them a little space too. And let's flip it around now. When you were an adult, here's some suggestions on how you can show honor and respect to your parents as you grow older and raise your families. If you know the truth of Jesus Christ and he's living in your life, then trust him and live your life for his glory. That's one of the best ways to honor your parents. Raise up and train your own children. Make disciples in your own household. Respect parents' preferences, whether it's food, restaurant, music, TV shows, all those kind of things. Some of you that grew up in this area remember the old smorgasbord called Horn and Horn. And uh, I spent many a meal there. It wasn't my favorite restaurant by any choice, but it was my parents. And when they wanted to celebrate, we went to the smorgasbords. I've learned to eat healthier sins, but the, praise God. But it was respect and honor. Listen closely to their stories. You'll learn a lot. And, and for those of you that are really into social media, if, if you have a big announcement that you want everybody to know, share it with your parents first before you tell the world. And here's one that if you follow this, a lot of this other stuff will fall in line. Seek and choose forgiveness 
for times that you may have hurt them. And it works both ways. The number one complaint of children with their parents is that they would not admit they were wrong at times. Speak well of your parents rather than criticize or put down. Stop asking them to take care of what you should be responsible to do. If you were 22 and you're still living at home, you can make your own dentist appointment. You can get your own oil change, right? And this one, honor them even if they hurt you. All parents have done things that make it difficult to show honor at times. But there were probably times when your parents honored you when you didn't deserve it to. So let me close out with a couple thoughts here. Here's the good news. Most adult children eventually do become responsible and independent, and many who grew up in the faith and turned away, many do come back. They may zigzag through the younger years. They'll take steps forward, fall back. They might make some U-turns or some false starts along the way. The reason I can say this is because I did all of the above. And if you're truthful with yourself, you can probably say I did some of that too. The journey that we as parents and grandparents experience as our children stumble, as they choose different methods or violate values they were raised with, or pick up habits that was not allowed at home, calls us to remember this. The goal is still the same. To see your adult children become mature in the faith, to love God and love others. They, might not, they may not go to the same church as you anymore. They may not even go to church at all. But at the end of the day, can you take some pressure off yourself as parents and ask the question, do they love God and do they love others? Let's start there. And as your children grow, parents must make the transition from day-to-day -day involvement to a more hands-off approach. As parents, we have to love them enough to let them go. You move from being in control to a role that is diminished greatly. The relationship changes. You move from being the authority to more of a coach and a mentor. And it's learning to hold your tongue, not say everything that we think. Oh, boy. Instead of voicing everything we see wrong, start to look for the good and be encouraging and supportive. You are still their parents, and that will not change, but the relationship must transfer from dependency to empowerment and maturity for your child. Independence is the goal that applies to finances, actions, relationships, growth, and development. And if you're feeling a loss when your child goes off to school or college or when they get married or when they get divorced, we as parents need to grieve that loss. It's a part of life. It's real. It's okay. Whenever our children don't need us as much as they used to, that is a loss to grieve. It's normal. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come up as I finish with this. Like it like a key to a good marriage, a key to good parenting is the word faithfulness. Being consistent with your faith walk in the eyes of your children and grandchildren, regardless of the circumstances. My wife and our family, extended family, much like yours. Down through the years, 
we've walked through losses, suicides, cancers, house fires, divorce, depressions, adoptions, anxiety, losing both parents. But through all of this, we have tried to remain faithful. And I would encourage you to do the same. Yes, we're going to have scars. Yes, we're going to have wounds. And yes, we've all made many, many mistakes. But if you remain faithful, parents, in the journey, your kids, your grandkids will one day see that. And when they get that aha moment, it becomes a moment of their own discovery, of their own faith, not their parents' faith. It becomes their own connection with God, not their parents telling them, you've got to connect with God. So give them the space. Give them the room they need for that. And it makes all of this hardship worthwhile because you can then give God glory for it all, realizing it was all part of his plan. Be faithful, church to your kids and your grandkids. Be faithful. So the gospel response is simply two questions. How are you discipling your adult children? Or how will you if you're not raising adult children right now? Parents and grandparents, I've said it many times, your job is not done. Your job is not done. And secondly, Whatever age you are, if your parents are still alive, how will you show honor to your parents? What is one thing this week you can do to give honor to your mom and dad? Let's pray together. God, thank you for this message, and I pray, God, that as your Spirit speaks to our hearts, we will take this to heart in our own homes that we can be a blessing to our kids and our grandkids. And that as you give us wisdom and experiences to pass on to the next generation, let us be bold with our faith. Let us be bold with our example. May we prepare this generation to move out with even more boldness than my generation had. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen have any questions about the sermon or would like to know more about following after Jesus, uh, please contact us and we would love to talk more about your relationship with Christ and how you can grow in your spiritual journey.